Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are y'all this morning? It's nice to see y'all meeting and greeting again. We're kind of glad that we're, we're back to that again. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know an ungrateful person? Raise your hand. Yeah. Have you ever done something for someone only to have them not, not acknowledge what you've done for them? We probably all have, haven't we? But yet God tells us that each of us should think about what he's done for us. But many times what we do instead of being thankful, a lot of times what we do is we grumble and we complain, don't we? We, we, we count all our complaints before God, but many times that we don't take the time to count our blessings before God. And so this morning, I want to look at a couple of scriptures that talk about why we grumble, why that's not such a good thing. Two places in the Bible specifically tells us why we can be ungrateful. And then finally, we're going to get to the book of Ephesians where we're going to talk about why we should be thankful, especially, especially those blessings that we have in Christ. And so if you will, will you turn in your Bibles or your iPhones to Numbers chapter 21? We're going to look at 1 through 8. Now, this is probably familiar to some of y'all. It's the story of the Israelites that had been released from Egypt. Here's what it says. It says, When the Canaanite king of Aaron, who lived in Ajib, heard that Israel was coming along the road to Athriam, he attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. The Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you would deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. And so the Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them and their towns. And so the place was named Hormah. Now they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient along the way. And they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. And then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, and we spoke against the Lord, and we've spoken against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And so Moses made a bronze snake and he put it on a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now listen, God had just delivered the Israelites out of 400 years of captivity. It's 30 days past the time that God had delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh. And now these people, these Israelites, they were already looking back towards Egypt, longing for the good old days as slaves. They romanticized about the meat, the fish, the leeks, and the onions that, that they had back in Egypt. And it didn't take them long before they began to grumble and complain of all the things that God had given them. In part of this scripture in chapter 6, verse 6, excuse me, it says, The Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. Now, you can see by this one scripture that God takes grumbling and ungratefulness 
very seriously, doesn't it? Now, sometimes when we complain or we fail to acknowledge God for all the blessings that he gives us in life, it seems like at times that we can bring unwarranted suffering upon our lives, can't we? The scripture proves that. And I don't know why, but sometimes we don't think that our ungratefulness is sin. But I want to tell you this morning that it is because it took punishment. It took tragedy for these Israelites to finally come to their senses. And when we do that, that we welcome hardship into our life. I would pray that as believers in this room, that as we mature, as we grow, that we should grow in our praise, not in our grumbling. That we should be thankful for God for all the things that he's done for us. Now, in Luke chapter 17, there's another story of some more complainers. People who were ungrateful. Now, this particular scripture is the one about the ten lepers. And many of y'all know this scripture. If you've been here long enough, that you would know some of this story. It's basically about ten individuals who were wanting a blessing from Jesus. And so Jesus heals them. But only one of the ten had the correct response from the blessing they received. The nine others, as far as the Bible says, it doesn't say what they did other than simply go along their way. This blessing, this healing that they got, it didn't seem to make them live their life any differently. Listen to the word of God. It says now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and they cried out out in a loud, loud, loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Had no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Back in biblical times, leprosy was very contagious. Do you realize that so is being unthankful is contagious too, isn't it? It doesn't take very long that a person who is ungrateful has this way of drawing us into their personal pig pen. And it doesn't take us very long to to join with them in unison, bearing our complaints before God. I think we need to remember that as believers, that the Lord Christ healed us of our leprosy. And it's that leprosy of sin in our life and in our hearts. We have to remember that. One of the cool things I see here is the, the mercy of Christ. Just the mercy of Jesus says that they stood at a distance. They knew that they were lepers. And they called out with this loud voice, Lord, have mercy, have pity on us. And the reason they did that, because they knew that Jesus was in command of disease and death. And so when they reached out their hands, they were empty just like ours. They had nothing to offer Jesus. They were asking for something like us that they absolutely didn't deserve. But yet Jesus blessed them. Now, why is it that many times in our life we'll pray and we'll ask God for a need? 
And then when God finally meets that need, we don't thank him. We don't praise him the way that we should for the blessing that we just received from him. He said one of these, just one of these, came back and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And it says that with a loud voice that he he praised him. And so I want to ask us this morning, are we really grateful? And do we really understand the blessings that we've already received from God? Or are we more like these nine Jews who thought they somehow deserved these blessings because they thought somehow they were just God's treasure? And I will tell you, that he went back and he acknowledged God because he knew as a Samaritan that he didn't deserve anything. And we need to think, is that me? Is that us? Am I unthankful sometimes? You know, the other nine, it says that they went about their way. The Bible doesn't say that they came, ever came back or, or anything. It just said that, that they just went upon their way. They went away enjoying their cleansed state. They never thought anything about what just happened, the blessing that God just gave them. If you understand leprosy, these people were set apart. They were a part of society that was shunned, that they were put away. Sometimes that we go along and we enjoy the benefits of our salvation after we've accepted Christ, but soon we forget who chose us, who saved us, who forgave us, and who sealed us and that will one day deliver us fully into the kingdom of God. One day he will. Now, one thing I like about Jesus is Jesus always got right to the truth, didn't he? He never minced a whole lot of words. So he asked this pointed question, where are the other nine? Now, Jesus asked many pointed questions in the Bible. And it's not because Jesus doesn't know those answers. He absolutely knows the answer, but he knows that the right questions can be transformative in a person's life. Good questions have the power to, to get right past our assumptions of what we think we believe and get to our heart about what we really believe about God, whether he's good or whether he is not. And so this morning, I want to ask you, Another pointed question. Do you really know the blessing that you have in Christ Jesus? And if you do, how grateful are you? Well, the question is this. Is your heart grateful? And does your life look different because of what Christ has done for you? You know, many times sermons are prepared so that you do more for God. Certainly appropriate. But this morning, my heart is that when we start this next scripture in Ephesians, is that you get more. That sounds okay, right? That you get more. Now, Paul is the author of this book of Ephesians. And if you will, if if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter one, we're going to look at one through 14. Now, this particular book is broken up into two parts. Chapters one, two, and three is doctrinal, meaning that it kind of tells you what Christ has done for you. And then 4, 5, and 6, chapters 4, 5, and 6 is, well, how do I live out this knowing what Christ has did for me? Now, as Paul begins this letter, it's as if when I begin reading, you'll hear it says, Paul is just gushing with this gratitude. It's almost like he's up on his tippy toes 
praising God for the blessings that he has received in Christ. Now, Paul is not in the comfort of his own home. He's on this darkened floor of a prison. It's rat infested, but he's, he's making an effort to praise God for all the things that he's done in his life. Now, when we get started, I need to preface this, okay? Because the statement when it says, in Christ, or in him, you're going to hear Paul repeat this over and over and over again. And it's because this is foundational to understanding the next 14 verses. And I'm going to do my very best over the next three hours to cover it all for you. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Here's what it says. Now remember where Paul is. Okay. He says, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you, and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to the adoptions of Son as Himself through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He graciously bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself as a plan for the fulfillment of time to unite all things in Christ, which are in heaven and in earth. In him also we have received an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, that we who were the first to hope in Christ should live for the praise of his glory. And in him you also, hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, after believing in him, were sealed in the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It seems like with eager determination that throughout our life that we'll do our very best to bless ourselves with with earthly treasures. It seems like as people that we're just never satisfied. We always see our cup is half full. We never think about the things that we've already been given in Christ. Now, when we start this next part, It says, in him, we become saints. The first thing that happens to you the moment that you invite Christ into your heart, your identity changes from sinner to saint. Many of us spend a lifetime trying to shed labels that that other people have put upon us. But when we're born again, that Jesus removes that old label and he puts a new label on us and it's the label of saint. And now what's on the inside matches the label on the outside. 
You see, a sinner is a man who doesn't submit or allow God's authority to rule over his life. He withholds dedication and obedience. But a saint is made so by the Holy Spirit of God. And it's his delight and it's his pleasure to obey him and to live for him and to walk with him. It goes on and it says that in him we are blessed. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now blessing means it lacks nothing. There's nothing that we don't have. Jesus didn't hold anything back. He didn't save a little bit for a rainy day, and then one day maybe you'll, you'll get it down the road. It says that all spiritual blessings are in us, that our cup is full, it lacks nothing. God didn't hold back anything. He gave you the very best there is in his son Jesus. Now, it says that our blessings are in heavenly places in Christ. And Paul goes on to say and compares these spiritual blessings to things like being a treasure. Now, many times, you know, when we try to bless ourselves in life, we have this urge or this feeling that we have to protect our own treasure lest it will get stolen from us. But it says in him, our treasure, our hope, that it's safe and it's secure. It's in this place in heaven where all these blessings that God has given us in Christ, they don't depreciate, they don't lose their value. They can't be taken from us. They can't be robbed from us because they were in Christ, in heaven, where Christ is. It says in him, we are chosen. Just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world. And I will tell you that, that God didn't choose us because we were worthy. He didn't choose us from this treasure chest. He chose you and I from the landfill of life. None of us were really worth choosing. Not me, not you. And I'm so glad that he did this and chose me before the foundation of the world because he never would have chose me after I was born. He never would have chosen me. I don't know if he would have chosen you. You think he would? I'm not sure. It says in him that we're holy and that we're blameless. He makes us perfect in him and blameless before him. Blameless before him. Now, you know that we make mistakes, right? But it's because in him that he sees us completely different. Holy describes our position. Blameless describes our condition before him. Jesus takes away our legal guilt and he sets us apart for his own special purposes. And because of that, you're able to stand in the presence of God unashamed, holy and blameless you see, it's not what you see when you look in the mirror. It's what God says about you that matters. That's what matters. It says in him we've been predestined. And I'm not going to get myself in trouble this morning, but I want to tell you when we look at uh, predestination in the Bible, sometimes it's, it's not what people think it is because they want to take predestination 
out of context. Now, predestination simply means predetermined. Okay, that's what that means. Predetermined. God the Father and the Son predetermined that they knew that one day they was going to create mankind. Mankind was going to mess up. And they had a plan for redemption. That's what that means. And I'll give you an example. It's not uh, God picking and chooses who's saved and who's lost. But it's about what God is going to do with those people who place their faith in Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example. Every day there's a flight that leaves from Charlotte to Florida, right? It's probably one of the most popular flights out there. That flight is predestined. It's predetermined. But that flight's going to go whether you go or not, right? It's up to you to get on that flight. That's what that means. Predestination means predetermined. It's available. If God did not, or he did pick and choose, how could you uh, take the scripture where it says that God's desire is that all would be saved? Right? God desires every person to know Christ, that, that none be lost. So God doesn't pick and choose. He gives us the opportunity to give our life to him, and then he changes us. Man, what a blessing what that is. What happens to us by our faith in Christ is absolutely amazing. It says in him you've been adopted. And this is so important for us to understand. This thing about adoption in the Bible. Now, adoption is the process by which someone becomes a legal family member of a family that they they weren't born into. But unfortunately, when Paul was talking, he was talking not only to the Jewish culture, but he was also talking to some of the Gentiles. They in the Jewish culture, there was no such thing as adoption. If you were born into a family, that was the family that you were born into. There was no such thing. But however, because they understood the Roman culture, Paul was speaking in this language. Now, in the Roman culture, there was such a thing as adoption. A father, he could adopt a slave or any man and make him a legal heir. What would happen then is the debt of that person who was going to be adopted into the family. All his legal debt debt was canceled. He was given that person's, that father's name. He was given all the rights and the privileges, all the inheritance, just as if he was a natural born son. But actually, when he talks about this in the scripture, the people understood that At that time that a person who was adopted, their rights were more powerful than those of a natural born son. Because once someone was adopted, it was permanent. So see, just like us, when God adopts us into the family of God, he gives us his name. He gives us his rights. He gives us his authority. We have all those things that he has He doesn't say that, ah, you know, when you accept Christ, you'll be like a son or you'll be like a daughter. No, it says this blessing says that you will be a son, you will be a daughter, and he will be your father. That's what it tells us. He'll be a father to us and many of us. Listen, you can have a great father, but because of world and sin, we all need to be refathered by him, don't we? 
We all need to be refathered by God. It says in him we've been redeemed and forgiven. And we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. You see, redeem means to, to buy something back. To exchange one thing for another. You see, Jesus bought us back because you and I, before Christ, were sold into this slavery of sin. And so we had to be bought back. And Jesus purchased me. He purchased you with his life. His life for your life. His life for your life. And see, this exchange made you forever free. It made me forever free. What a blessing that is. He tells us here and in him that we have wisdom and insight. It says he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. You know, God not only shared with us his beautiful plan of redemption, but he also tells us and let us take part of that so we know what our part is in this big and glorious plan so we don't stumble around in the dark. He didn't hide anything from us. He reveals himself. A father reveals himself to his children. He doesn't reveal himself to someone else's children. That's a blessing to know what God is doing, not only in you, but in the midst of the world and other people, it says in him that we've received an inheritance. Now, inheritance is meant to provide for something in the future to prevent any lack. Now, inheritance is promised when, when someone is alive, but they normally can't receive it unless the person dies, right? Well, when Jesus is talking about his kingdom coming, and Paul was talking about this inheritance It took Jesus dying for us to get an inheritance. But we receive it now because he lives. We receive our inheritance because he lives. Now, the next part is, it says that we have been sealed. We're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. The moment, the moment you and I come into this awesome relationship with Jesus Christ. That were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now sealed means to, to protect, to preserve, to, to make that it's sure. We come into this relationship with Christ. That God puts a mark on our life. The, the language that Paul is using, he's using in the context that back during those times when a letter was sent out from a king or some high official, each letter, each document had to seal And the seal that was on the document meant to prove that what was in the inside came from the person who had the authority to put it there on the outside. So God, if if you are saved, you're born again, that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Sealed by Him. That seal carries the authority of the one who sent it. Same way our lives carry the mark of God. If you know Him. That seal authenticates the relationship that you and I have with Father God. It says, here we go on, that that this Holy Spirit is like a guarantor of our inheritance. He makes sure that we make it to our destination in heaven. 
And he does so by convicting us of our sin, convincing us of our righteousness until we're fully changed into the image of Christ and we can stand before him totally blameless, innocent before him because of Christ. And I will tell you that the devil can't break the seal that God has placed on your life. He can't do it. He'll lie to you and tell you that, that, that he can, but it's not true. I'm going to ask the praise team if, if they'll come. You know, I don't, I'll tell you this, that before we came to know Christ, we couldn't count our blessings. The only thing that we could ever count was our sin before God, because that's what it was. That we were trapped in this thing called sin and gratefulness. When we understand what Christ has done for us, will spur us on. It'll, it'll make us walk in a manner that's worthy of our calling. But here's the question I want to ask you this morning. Knowing what you know, the blessings that you have in Christ, should it not make us live our lives differently? It should make us live our lives totally in a different way. And so this morning... I want you to count your blessings. Count all the blessings that you have in Christ. You can look at the list. If you're saved, these apply to you. If you're not saved, you're here and you don't know Jesus, this don't apply to you. But it can. It can apply to you. So if you're here and you don't know Christ, and you don't have this inheritance, come see me. God loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to redeem you and change your life. But it's a decision that you have to make. And so, Father, I thank you for loving us, caring for us. God, thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans, Lord, that you adopted us into the family of God. You gave us your name. You gave us your hope. And, Lord, that you gave us a future. God, thank you for changing us. Thank you for all the blessings that we have in Christ because of what he did for us. In Jesus' name, amen.